We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. So last week we started a conversation about the queen. Because that's where we are. We, just, we have a couple weeks to the king. And we were really going to move on and be like, go ahead and minister together. And um, we had a couple comments like, that's not fair. The guys have like three weeks on king and we're going to get one for queen. So, so here we are. So go ahead and go to Genesis 2 and just hold it for me. Just so that you'll be ready when I say turn to, scroll to, click to, whatever. Um, we introduced the piece of the queen, and we talked about her range of movement and her ability to be able to move um, diagonally, horizontally, um, and vertically on the chessboard, um, which gives her, her range of movement makes her very powerful in the game of chess. Um, one of the golden rules of chess, I guess you could say, is to control the center and develop a back row. That's like, a, a, what is it, a grand player, a, a strong chess player knows that I'm at the advantage if I can control the center and develop my back row. Well, that is why the queen out in the middle makes her very powerful because she has so many different options from the middle of, from the, middle of the board. Well, beginning chess players tend to develop their queen early because the middle of the board, there is more advantage. And when you are not a very, I guess, strong, um, strongly strategic chess player, your goal is just to hurry up and get out into the middle where you feel that you're at the advantage. As I explained um, last week, that in some of the uh, chess player chats, um, when they were talking about strategy, one of the strategy that a player uses against its opponent is to bait its queen out into the middle and get the player to develop their queen too early because when they're out there in that congested middle, they start to work um, strategically to capture the queen. Remember that from last week for those of Okay. You're sitting at Genesis 2. Can I get every queen to make eye contact with another queen and let her know you got to be ready for the middle? Okay, let's go chapter 2. Let's go verse 8. Let's start at verse 8, chapter 2. NIV. Okay. Now the Lord had planted a garden in the east of Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. I'm going to say that again. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle, I wish I had paper Bibles, I could underline that. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You got to be ready for that middle. Because just like in the game of chess, the enemy baited the queen into a conversation out in the middle of the garden. And you know, it's funny because people, preachers like to say, well, well, where was Adam while she was out there in the middle? Because my question was, what's she doing over there? How'd she get out there anyway? If God gave instruction to not fool with that tree, 
What are you over there for anyway? And then people say, well, Adam is the king. Why would he allow his wife to be entertained? Well, Adam was probably somewhere being obedient, minding his business, not being nowhere near the tree because God said, don't touch that. But now she's been baited out into the middle and she's baited into a conversation to which the enemy has the advantage. A very manipulative conversation. And he's at advantage of the conversation. So he's at a, he has an advantage for two reasons. One is because at this point in creation, Eve only knows the love and the presence of God. She does not yet know the wrath of God. Because you don't know sometimes the wrath of God, you underestimate the authority of God. However, the devil full well knows the wrath of God and the authority of God. The second reason why he's at an advantage in this conversation is if we go to, let's see, last week we started at 18, right? Well, let's go to 15. Let's go to 15. Chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then you will, for, for when you eat from it, you will surely die. 18, the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So when God gave Adam the instruction, don't eat from that tree, Eve had not yet been created. So that wasn't an instruction that she was present to receive. Now, if you remember when Lucifer, especially those of us who were in the spiritual warfare training last night, when Lucifer was, I mean, yesterday, that was not, see how my days run together? Yesterday, when Lucifer was dismissed from heaven and he was sent here where earth is now formed and created, he was here. So he was here when the instruction was given, but Eve was not. So she's being obedient to an instruction that she heard. From her husband. While, uh, nah, I'm not giving him the credit of calling him Lucifer at that time. While Satan was actually present to know what God said. See, when you fool around in the middle and you develop too early, you can only rely on what you heard. Because you ain't been around long enough or invested enough to know. So... This brings me to um, our topic today for those who are taking notes, and it is queen versus snake. Queen versus snake. So we want to know how to beat the snake, and our first point is you have to have, you have to be directly connected. So Eve was sitting in an argument based off of secondhand information because she received that through the connection that her husband had with God. Very often, we build our relationship with God off of what we heard. Somebody else's connection. It was my grandma was the strong God-fearing woman that covered the family. And we plugged into whatever gr grandma went to church. So we plugged into grandma's Jesus. Or we got um, a co-worker. She always got a word for me. She always got a word for me. And we plug into our co-worker's Jesus. 
or we get in friendships or relationships where God is trending and these are the people that I run with. So I'm plugged in to their Jesus. And the problem with that type of loose connection is that when they're disconnected, you don't have power. So I have this mini fridge in my office and um, I'm at the school and my mini fridge was plugged into a good size surge protector, lots of little, little plugs on it. And then it came from around my desk and it plugged into the outlet on the wall. So I'm in the hallway and one of the students comes up and says, oh, oh, Miss Underwood, can I plug my, charge my laptop up in your office? Yeah, babe, go ahead and plug it in. So she goes in, she plugs in her laptop. She's there. I, later on, she goes on to class. I carry on throughout my day and I'm, I'm good. Well, at the end of the day, I notice that my whole floor is wet because my refrigerator had defrosted. Because what she didn't know was when she went to go and charge what she needed, she unplugged what I needed, and now my refrigerator is no longer receiving power to keep it being a refrigerator and keep things cold because it lost its connection because the outlet lost its connection. You get, you get what I'm saying? This is how we get to these places with God where we have to depend on somebody else to speak to God for us. That the only way that we can reach, the only way that we can get a breakthrough, the only way that we can get an understanding, the only way that our relationship with God can stand is if the person who is keeping us connected to God stays connected to God. How many families fell apart when grandma died? Some have never been able to go back into a church again because you weren't ever going for Jesus. You was going because that's what mama needed us to do. The problem with that strategy is you have an enemy, an opponent, who knows that your connection is play-play. And he doesn't mind you doing this whole front and Jesus thing because he knows what you have not yet realized, that you are not directly connected. There is this thing, and I don't know if it's a real, if it's, if it's a, a real phrase, but electricians sometimes use it. When you link a bunch of um, extension cords together, that is bootleg, but we all do it. Extension cord, extension cord, extension cord, until you can get it to where you're trying to get it to, to get it to reach. And they call it daisy chain. Listen, daisy chaining power is risky. Because when you do that, if, you, if a fire marshal comes or whatever and catches that you don't linked all these things together... You've now put where you are at risk. Because if, if, and there's certain wattages that have to be directly connected to the power source. Women, too many things rely on you, my queen, for you to be daisy chain connected. I got kids of my own that's counting on me and I'm working on mama's energy. I can't rely on mama's Jesus when my kids are acting up. You have to be directly connected. I think it's safe to keep moving. Safe to keep moving. So if um, you're not willing to, you have to be, I'm saying, if you're not, if you're not willing to invest in a direct connection to God where you can, Stream your own power, your own connection, and he can feed you directly. That's the only way that you can grow spiritually. 
It really is. Because I'm glad that you get those weekly text messages that remind you about Jesus and remind you that you're saved to behave yourself. I'm glad that you, um, you know, every now and then you get some jobs have like those prayer moments. I don't know if you work for anything, but Advent Health, they do like the, the, the work, the, what are they, devotion moments, and you get to, to have those moments. But if you don't directly plug into God, you limit your own growth. You limit your spiritual growth. And when you are not able to grow spiritually, mature spiritually, if you, if you limit yourself and don't allow yourself the opportunity, you, I don't want to use that word, I, you slow down your spiritual growth. You get what I'm saying? So then it will cause you to handle things spiritually immaturely. You will respond to things of the spirit immaturely because you have not allowed yourself to spiritually mature through connection. You got me? Okay, so this leads me to my next point. Uh, my grandson has learned to say yes and no. Yes and no. And normally when babies learn yes and no and they shake their head yes and no, it's usually just no for everything. Like they mean yes, but it's still no, 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 no. Well, he knows how to use his yes when he means yes and his no when he means no. And he will apply it at will. Now, mind you, he's only one, but he is certain when he means no, he means no. And if he means yes, he means yes. Do you want a cookie? You want a cracker? He completely knows. So because he is so confident in his ability to communicate his yes and his no, he oftentimes will decline things that are not optional. Because he does not yet, he's not mature enough yet to understand that there are some things that are requested and there are some things that are required. When you are spiritually immature, you don't understand that obedience to God is not requested. It's required. I have to let him know every now and then, no, 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 baby. When grandma said that, that would meant do. Your opinion is not desire in this moment. You just have to be obedient because I said it. Because I love you, because I'm your grandma, and because of the position that I hold, the authority that I have, all you have to do is be obedient. You don't have to like it, but you do have to do it. Point number two, you have to be obedient. Now, this is how you beat the snake. You have to be obedient. Now, please understand, he's not trying to be rebellious. And I think sometimes because in our disobedience, our intention is not to be rebellious, we give ourselves credit for entertaining the enemy's suggestion on all the reasons why we don't need to listen. Because if we go back to the conversation that the serpent had with Eve, he got into debate with her on the consequences of disobedience. You won't surely die. He just doesn't want you to do it because then it will make you know the good, good and evil. You'll be wise as him. And she's going back and forth in this debate conversation on why her disobedience is okay. And to be honest, we tend to do the very same thing. 
We take the enemy's instruction as suggestion. And if it sounds good enough to us, then okay, I'll be obedient. But if it does not fit our liking or anything that we actually desire to do, we will find good reason to why either that is not what God meant or why his grace will cover me as I step out to do what it is I feel needs to be done in this situation. What Eve should have done was say, it don't really matter why he told me I can't do it. He said, I can't, so I'm not. He said, no, so I won't. But when he makes disobedience look reasonable, and this is the danger of entertaining the conversation of a snake. Because anything that presents to you another option other than the truth that you know God told you, you have placed yourself in a dangerous situation. You have wandered out there in the middle. You are engaging the enemy. The problem is sometimes the enemy's suggestion sounds like our very own thought and voice. And we are more inclined to what he is offering than the truth that we're supposed to be aligned with. Then it sounds like a decision. I have a decision to make. It's not a decision. The only decision you have is to obey or not. You're picking through options. Well, did he, say, did he really say that? Now I got to go back and really think what is it that he exactly said? Because, you know, I'm just confused on what I feel like God told me. And that's when we start going into these daisy chain links and I'm talking to my co- Let me just talk to you about what I think that God told me. This is what I felt like I heard. I'll be honest, we all have done this. I just, I just, this is what I, I, I feel like I heard that he said this. But then I feel like such and such. God is not the author of confusion. When God says something, he said what he said. Do what he said. And if you can't remember what he said in the moment, do the last thing he told you until you get peace about what he tells you to do again. What scares me is God is not obligated to repeat himself. So I'm scared to be caught not listening. Because I can't afford to, let, to lose or miss an instruction from God. Women, I say this all the time, too much ride on our lives, too much ride on our crown, on our crown, too much rides on our title for us to be iffy. Our, our connection has to be directly plugged in and we have to submit and be obedient to the call of God. Amen. Now let me move on to what will be my last point and I want to make sure that I have the time to pull this apart um, for you. You have to operate in power. You have to operate in power. Now, I want to make sure that I'm clear when I say you have to operate in power because it would be reckless of me as your pastor. It would be reckless of me as the the covering for the women in this house to just say that you you have to operate um, in power because if you don't clearly get what we're getting ready to pick apart, you could very possibly be in a dangerous situation going forward because You can't be, I guess, held accountable for what you don't know, but we're getting ready to unveil it, and then you know. And when you are not operating in truth, you're operating in what? And the enemy is the father of a lie. So if you choose to hear this truth and still pick lie, 
I'm just saying. It's only two teams. It's only two. We like to believe it's God, the devil, and then my good opinion, but that is not it. There are two teams. There are two. So let's go. We're in Genesis still, chapter 2. Let's go down to chapter 3. It should just be a short scroll. This is why obedience is not optional. Get what I'm saying. Obedience is not an option. Forget what the world is telling you. The world has given you the ability to opt out of everything. Like really and truly everything. Like we have our own truth now when we can't comply with what actually is the truth. You know, we have open marriages because we can't, we, we can't be disciplined enough to live within the confines of a marriage. Like there's an opt out for everything. When it comes to this, I am telling you, specifically women, there is no opt-out for us. And here's why. Okay, we'll go to chapter 3. Let's start with verse 14. This is after Eve has convinced, she has taken a bite of the fruit, and she has convinced Adam to do the same. Verse 14, so the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Listen to verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. Now we could stop right there. I will put enmity. This is, this is our God speaking. Handing out this punishment to the devil for the trick that he did and, and to Eve for her disobedience. I will put en enmity between you, for, between you and the woman. Now, enmity by definition, and I'll, I'll read it to you. Enmity is a mutual hatred or ill will, being actively opposed or hostile to someone. Women, you have a God-ordained beef between you and the devil, and you will have it forever. Now, let's, let me understand. Let me, let me help you. The devil is God's enemy, yes. The devil is an enemy to all things God, yes. But he is specifically an enemy to you. His hate hits different when it comes to you. Now, the reason that that makes it so dangerous and why I say it's not optional is because he is an opponent of yours that is stronger than you. Now, that don't sound very pastoral, does it? Yes, I did say that. The devil is stronger than you. But he does not stand a chance against the God in you. You by yourself will lose. You will 100% without a doubt lose. The depression will swallow you. The anxiety will suffocate you. The bitterness will rot you. The jealousy will overtake you. The anger will cause you to lose it all. Without God, you cannot win. It does not matter 
how many scriptures you heard grandma say that you repeat. She understood the power of what she said. You caught the rhythm and repeated it. He understands the power of what you're saying. Oftentimes more than you do, which is how Eve lost the argument because he understood the authority of God where she didn't. You can't afford to be loosely connected because every day that you open your eyes, you are doing it in a fight, in a fight with an enemy that is more strategic than you, oftentimes more dedicated than you and more strong than you. And if that's not enough to make it click, let's keep reading. I'll go back. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, look at this, and between your offspring and hers. So not only does he hate me, he is coming for my kids. Listen, you want to have a mama change a game, bring her children into it. That takes the fight to a whole different level. Because you coming for me is one thing. But not only are you trying to come for me, you're trying to come from what comes from me. Mm -mm. That means everything that I bring forth, he has a target on. I don't know about you, but that don't work for me. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I look at all these babies in the room that are not in the position to fight for themselves. And I am concerned for those who don't have a mama that can fight. And when I say can fight, I don't mean that you go to the school, cut up, and cuss people out because somebody said something to your kid. I'm talking about a mama who knows how to stand flat-footed before the enemy and says, well, he will not get access to when it comes to that one. This is not a suggestion. Please understand, the enemy will like for you to believe that all of this is just a very good entertaining message, that this just goes in one ear and comes out the other. You go out to eat after church and forget this, just like every other Sunday message that you have. But you have an enemy that is coming for you and everything that comes from you. Now let's take it further. He's coming for every gift that God has planted in you. For everything that my existence is called to bring forth in the earth, he has a target on. Every work of my hand, he has a target on, and he will forever. I say that because there's a whole lot of weak-willed women walking around with titles, and I'm saying, you know what, forgive me if it comes off aggressive, but this is just, it is what it is. What it is. Because we've gotten to this place where we love to talk Jesus. But in 2 Corinthians, we learn that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but a matter of power. It sounds good, but it's written. Go read it. Second Corinthians. It is not a matter of talk, power. The enemy does not care about your spiritual go-off when he knows that you are not connected. He doesn't ma- it doesn't matter to him how many times you tell him, yeah, i just been spending time in my prayer closet, when he knows you're not connected. You're not fooling anyone. You're definitely not fooling him because we're dealing with an enemy who sits back and watches every move. He catches the thought processes and the rhythm of your emotions. He knows how long it will take. He knows how just how hard to press before you forget that he's on the scene at all and completely forfeit the win. So in the game of chess, when it says the enemy baits you to develop their queen too early, 
It's because if you do not take the time to develop your connection with God, you will wander yourself into the middle of the board where you are just under attack. And you're not equipped. Go ahead and stand to your feet. I need um, more than anything that has been said or could be said, I guess. If you didn't know before today the level of the fight that you're in, you were able to operate in ignorance because you didn't know. Like, I, I didn't know, so you can't hold me accountable for what I don't know. But now you do. And as a mom, and I'm going to say a good one, because I work really hard to be a good one. Being a mom, being a woman, but being a mom, you have to be unselfish. You have to be, to be good at it. You have to be unselfish. Nobody feels like doing the things that have to be done to be a mom. It's just the truth. And it is with that same energy that you are going to have to be disciplined enough to stay connected. You're going to have to be disciplined enough to stop negotiating God's instruction. That God is, he understands that I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. He understands. Or I, I went off, but God understands. And I'm so glad God knows my heart. We got to stop using that as an excuse. God knows my heart. He does know your heart. And some of the things in there are ugly. And he loves you anyway. And you're putting space in your relationship with him because of your heart. Using excuses like, well, I have my own personal relationship with God. You do. You have your own personal relationship with God. And the way that you handle it, it's abusive. You're in an abusive relationship with God. You don't handle him right. We need to be still and have a real honest moment with ourselves. Because it's, this, this level of fight is requiring a power that I don't think people are aware of the necessity of. And then instead of getting into a rhythm of winning, we're getting into a rhythm of losing. And you know how I can tell we're getting into a rhythm of losing? Because we start to say things like, it's just always something. It's always something. Or if ain't this, it's that. And it feels like that. And we have all said it. Don't, don't do that. We have all been there. But you have an enemy that's going to be your enemy every day. So it is always going to be something. But when you know that I have the authority, I have the power in this situation, I ain't running from the something. It is what it is. We're going to fight. We're going to fight every day. It is what it is. But I'm not going into the thing tiptoeing and hoping, oh, here he goes again. Oh, here he goes again. No, here I go again. Why can't it be that I'm here? Why can't it be that I make him nervous? Stay in the position where you're connected to the power that you know you're going to win. And I'm going to win it for me and I'm going to win it for my kids, and I'm going to win it for everything connected to me. And anything that opposes the God that, drives, that flows through me should be worried, not me. That is the position we're going to have to hold, ladies. If we're going to carry the weight of this crown, and we are really going to actually make the power moves, we're really going to have to move in power. 
So that is my prayer for you today. Let's go before God, the Lord in prayer. Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.